Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett coming to you as a ministry of Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. So glad that you are joining us today on the Monday broadcast. Well, I know it's been several weeks out since it was Father's Day, but today and tomorrow, I want to give a special shout out to the dads. I want to give a special message to the dads uh, because, you know, being a father today is a tough job. Now, anybody can be what we would call a sperm donor, right? Uh, Anybody can do that. Doesn't take a whole lot of talent or doesn't take a whole lot of tenacity. But being a dad, now that is something that is a special calling. And not all men are up for the calling, but I believe every man should take the challenge very seriously to be a godly dad to his children. And uh, you know, one of the things I've learned about being a dad, I have five wonderful children, is that uh, you can't lose your sense of humor as a dad. And so one day, our father came home from work, and he found his little girl brushing the dog's teeth with his toothbrush. Well, he was horrified, and he asked her what she was doing. She says, oh, now don't worry, Daddy. I'll put it back like I always do. And so that's kind of funny uh, as we think about that story. And, and I think about sarcasm. You know, I'm somewhat of a sarcastic person. And so one year, my daughter gave me a mug that says, the world's best dad. And so now I know I've taught my daughter all about how to be sarcastic. But, you know, being a dad is a lot of fun. It's a lot of responsibility. And I like what Mark Twain said. He says, you know, when I was a boy of 14, my father, he was just so ignorant. I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. Well, today and tomorrow, let's talk about what it means to be a dad. You know, one of my favorite miracles in the Bible is actually a dad story. Yeah, that's right. It's found in Matthew chapter 9. And Jesus is there with his disciples, and they're in Capernaum. And Capernaum is a booming fishing city on the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee. You know, as the story opens, there's a ruler that comes before Jesus and kneels before him and says, and his ruler is a dad, he says, my daughter has just died. But come and put your hand on her, and she will live. Now, now this is a synagogue ruler, the most significant religious authority in the city, and part of a very large uh, authority, a large synagogue. Luke's gospel tells us that his name was Jairus, and that his daughter was 12 years old. Now, hearing this, I love what Jesus did. Jesus got up, And he went with him, and so did his disciples. And he was sitting there, and he was teaching the people, and that was kind of his custom of that day. But when this request came, he adjourned his message, and he left with the synagogue ruler. He came to the home of Jairus, and and when he saw there, uh, there were flute players, and there was a noisy crowd that had gathered. And and that's an important element of the story, found in verse number 23. This whole story is found in Matthew chapter 9. But flute players and a noisy crowd gathering around indicated that somebody passed. You see, when somebody passed in biblical times, uh, they would hire at least two flute players and at least one woman to mourn their dead. Uh, There was something like we would do today, which we hire a mortuary service to care for the deceased. They would do a similar thing in biblical times. And so Jesus tells them, referring to the flute players and to the woman and the crowd, he said, now go away because this girl is not dead. She's only asleep. Now, they laughed at him, and they, they mocked him, and, and uh, they put him outside, and, they, and then he put the crowd outside, and they took the girl by the hand, and he raised her back to life. 
Uh, this was a miracle of a great importance, as great as the raising of Lazarus from the dead. And I want you to know, as, as I think about being a dad, I found 14 great Bible passages for dad. So I'll spend just a minute going through these. And, uh, and by the way, if you want to hear this broadcast again, uh, it is actually posted on our website. If you just Google it, Hickory Ridge Community Church, Chesapeake, Virginia, and then click on the tab that says Hope for Your Heart, uh, you can pick up all of our broadcasts by date uh, that it was aired. And, uh, and so if you are wanting to have these passages and I give them to you too quickly over the broadcast, feel free to go back and listen again. Uh, 14 great Bible passages for that. The first one is Ephesians 6.4. Paul is writing, he says, Now, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now, now this verse is very clear that discipline should be done, but it should be done calmly, and it should be done with instructions of the Lord. In other words, when you're getting after your children, make sure that you have something that you can clearly define as to what they're doing wrong and what they need to do to correct that behavior. Don't provoke your children to anger. Now, don't exasperate them, some translations say. And so as you're thinking about disciplining your children, make sure that you're disciplining things that are like direct disobedience. You know, in the Corbett household, there are two things that would get you in a world of trouble as my kids were coming along. Number one would be direct disobedience. If we said, hey, Tyler, take out the trash. And if he didn't take out the trash, that was direct disobedience. And there was consequences for that. The second thing that would get you in a world of trouble is matters of attitude. You know, I am convinced the older I get that your attitude is something that you can control, but it is the most important aspect of your life. Now, somebody said the greatness of a man is never determined by their aptitude. You know, you don't have a whole lot of control over your IQ or your aptitude. The greatness of a man, or a woman for that case, is always determined by their attitude. What is it that gets you discouraged? What is it in your life that causes you to be defeated? So Ephesians 6.4, we are reminded as dads not to provoke our children to anger, but bring them up into the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Here's another verse that I really think is great for dads. Proverbs 1.8. Uh, Solomon says, hear my son, your father's instructions, and do not forsake your mother's teachings. So here we see that instructions must be followed. Clearly explain to your children, especially as they get to the age where they can understand human language, right? Clearly explain to them your expectations. Give them instructions. Uh, give them the means to follow those, in those instructions, and then insist that they follow through and complete the assignment that you've given them. Uh, Here, O son, your father's instruction, don't forsake your mother's teachings. Here's another verse that I think is real helpful. 2 Corinthians 6.18. Paul is writing, and he says, I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Now, the reason that verse is so powerful is because it is a reminder to us as dads that we should father our children like God fathers us. You know, God's never asked me to do anything unreasonable. Uh, God's never put an expectation upon me that I cannot fulfill. And so as a father, I should be fathering my children like God fathers me. And Paul says, I'm going to be a father to you like God is a father to you. And the same ought to be true for us dads, that we ought to be a father to our children, treating them like God treats them. Uh, here's another verse that I think will help you. Psalm 103, verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. 
Uh, So here's the challenge. Here's the exhortation that if you're going to be a dad, compassion is required. Yeah, you got to love your kids. Be compassionate toward them. I was talking to a dad one time, uh, and it's been a few years now, and he says, you know, I really don't like my kids. And I said, that's a sad commentary. God has given you this blessing. Children are a heritage from the Lord. And so I encouraged him to love his children, act as if he loved his children, and I think that loving feeling will come back. So compassion is required. The Lord is compassionate on us, so we should be compassionate toward our children. Proverbs 22, 6 is the next verse where it says, and and this is a verse that uh, I'm going to quote in a little different translation. You are very familiar with the old translation of this. The King James Version says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, they'll not depart from it. Uh, But this version says, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Uh, So here's the challenge. Start early. Yeah, start early. I guess the best way to illustrate good parenting skills is that when your children are real young, uh, if I can use the illustration of my fist, right? When my children are young, I was tight-fisted with them. In other words, I controlled everywhere they went. I controlled what time they went to bed, what time they got up. I controlled what they wore. I controlled what they ate. I controlled who they hung out with, who they didn't hang out with. And I had a tight rule on them, a tight rein on them. And then as they began to get older... As they gained more responsibility, they gained more freedom. And so as they got older, I began to relinquish that control over them. Now, unfortunately today, most parents suggest the opposite. They start off in saying, que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. The kids are going to be kids. And so when little junior comes along and kicks you in the shins, instead of applying the Board of Education to the seat of learning, we say, well, hey, kids are going to be kids. No, that little child needs to be taught as a very young age, because if you'll allow him to kick you in the shins when he's a two and three-year-old kid, uh, then he's going to be kicking somebody else's shins when he's 18, 19, and 20 years old. So start off young. Start early training your children in the way they should go. You know, that verse also talks, I think, and and implies the strengths and the personalities of your children, realizing that every child is very unique. And so you've got to know the bent, the way they should go. And that way, as you work with that bent they have, and again, this is not talking about compromising things that are right or wrong, but it's realizing that different kids have different talents and, and different kids have different abilities. And so each child is very special and very unique. And so you learn the strengths of your children. You know, years ago, Gary Smalley wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. Great book. I recommend it for all couples who are getting married. But there's also The Five Love Languages of Children. Uh, So I know the the five different love languages of my children. For example, my daughter has the same love language as my wife, quality time. My daughter loves it when I just sit down and I said, now, Ann, how is your day going? How is uh, everything going? We got a brand new grandchild now. And I say, how's everything going with the baby? And, uh, you, you know, she just loves it when I just talk to her about how her life is going. I says, how are things at school? She's a school teacher. Of course, they're off for the summer. Uh, but just sitting down and talking, not trying to instruct her on anything, but just hearing her out, just giving her that good old quality time. Well, I have another son. And uh, his words, uh, his love language is words of affirmation. And, uh, and I have a son that I, if I tell him, you know what, I believe that you can really do this. And uh, I believe, and I'm so proud of you. 
And if, and I've, if I tell my son that, he will move heaven and earth to please me. And it's understanding the way that they should go. So know your children well. Know their love language. Here's another, another great passage for dads, okay? Second uh, Samuel chapter number 7. Second Samuel chapter 7, verses 14 and 15. I will be a father to him, and he'll be a son to me. When he does wrong, I discipline him in the usual way, the pitfalls and the obstacles of this mortal life, but I'll never remove my gracious love for him. I love that verse, right? What a great passage this is, a challenge to us, being a father, even when they do wrong. Uh, he says, even when they go wrong, I'm going to discipline him. Uh, not saying I'm going to love him and not do anything about it. I'm going to discipline him in the usual ways. But as he comes into these pitfalls and these obstacles in this mortal life, I'm going to be there with him. I- I'll never remove my gracious love from him. I guess we could say that we, we will be loving our children with unconditional grace, unconditional love, right? Uh, not affirming their bad behavior, but affirming them as a person. You know, when I think about my life, I am so thankful that I don't have a congregation, I don't have a family that judges me based upon my worst day. You think about the worst day of your life, and when you really messed up big time. I'm so glad that the Lord doesn't hold that against you, and, uh, and we as parents, uh, we as dad especially, don't take your kid's worst day and hold it against them. You know, because none of us are as bad as our worst day, and on the other flip side, none of us are as good as our best day. Uh, so we're to love with unconditional grace. And then Proverbs 23, 22 says, Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. So here we learn that we are to teach respect. Listen to your father. That's a way of giving respect to your father by listening to him because he brought you into this world. And then it says, do not despise your mother when she is old. So we must teach our children to listen to the instructions of their parents, and then as they get older, teach them respect. You know, I'm not at a stage of my life where my mom is in her 80s, and uh, my wife's mom and dad are in their mid-70s, and uh, my dad passed away many years ago. But uh, as I think about my family getting older, my in-laws and my mom getting older, I told them many years ago, I want you to know that you will always have a place at my home. Uh, If you get to the point where you need to live with somebody else and you can't take care of yourself, you will always have a place in my home. And uh, and many years ago, we actually bought the house that we're living in, uh, thinking that my mother-in-law may be moving in with us. And uh, my father-in-law was going through a difficult time, and he had a significant operation. He had five-way bypass heart surgery, and uh, he wasn't sure that he was going to pull through all that. And so he asked me if I would take care of his wife, my wife's mother. I said, sure, well, I'd be happy to do that. And so we, uh, we purchased a house that has a, a very large room uh, that could be converted into kind of an in-law suite. And so we are ready uh, for her as, as she gets to the point if she needs to come in and move with us. And uh, we'd love to have her live with us. And so I think that's teaching respect. You know where I learned that? I learned that from my mom who respected her mom. I learned it from my dad who respected his mom and dad. So teach respect to your children. Proverbs 23, 24 says, the father of a righteous child has great joy. A man whose father as a wise son rejoices in him. So that verse tells us not only are we to teach respect, but we also have to instill something. 
A father must instill righteousness in his child, teaching him to do the right thing, discerning right from wrong. And one of the best ways to teach this, I believe, is by personally illustrating it in your life, living a life of righteousness. A father of righteousness has great joy in his child. You know, the great thing about instilling righteousness, even if your children decide down the road to reject it. And they say, well, I don't want anything to do with that righteousness. You can put your head on the pillow at night and say, you know what? This is my child that God has given to me. I've done the best I can. I've got a clear conscience that not only did I live a righteous life before him, I tried to instill righteousness in him. And, and I think too many times uh, we take too much of the credit if our kids turn out fairly well, and we take too much of the blame if they don't turn out so well. These little children that God has given us, and and we thank the Lord for them. They are a blessing from the Lord, but every one of them are wired uniquely. They have their own volition. They have their own will, uh, so they will choose what to do. Our job is to share with them righteous living and instill it in them, and then they make the choice whether to follow through or not. And then Psalm 32, verses 7 and 8. David is writing and he says, you know, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Now, that verse doesn't mention the name dad or the word dad, but it gives us a principle that we are to protect our children. David refers to God the Father as his hiding place, that God will protect them from trouble and surround them with songs of deliverance. So protecting your children. You know, as a pastor, and my kids grew up in the church, and they they know no other uh, life other than being the pastor's kid, because it's been part of their lives since they were even before they were born. Uh, They were born into a pastor's home. They didn't necessarily choose that, but that's where they were born into. And so through the years, uh, Sherry and I decided that we were going to protect ourselves. You know, if you're in ministry any length of time, as a matter of fact, on the Friday broadcast, I'm going to talk to our pastors out there, talking about the role of a pastor. Uh, But as you think about the role of a dad, you are to protect your children. And so my kids growing up in a pastor's home uh, provided some unique blessings to them, but some unique challenges. And so Sherry and I decided very early uh, that we're not going to air the dirty laundry of the church before our kids. And my kids often knew that, uh, hey, something's going sideways with this person in the church, with that person in the church. But we made it, uh, we were very intentional that we would be not talking about the issues of the church uh, that were going south and sideways uh, before our kids. So our kids growing up think that everybody that goes to Hickory Ridge Community Church are beautiful, seasoned, mature saints who love the Lord and love their mom and dad. Uh, you know, and anybody uh, who's been around any length of time knows that's not always the case. And, and the majority of the people, that's the case. I'd say 99% of the people, that's the way it is, but you always get that 1%. So we protected our children from that negative influence. You know, we also protected our children from the ills of our world. Uh, there's so many crazy things that are happening in the world today, and, uh, and it just breaks my heart to see uh, what our children are exposed to in this day and age. As a dad, it is my responsibility to protect my children from the evils of this world. Proverbs 4.11 says, I will guide you in the way of wisdom, and I will lead you in upright paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. And when you run, you will not stumble. I take from this passage that, dads, we are to lead our families. Here, Solomon is writing that God is going to guide him in the way of wisdom, 
God's going to lead him. And so now he is passing that information on to his children. So as fathers, it is our responsibility to lead our children to walk in upright paths is a word that he is a little phrase that he uses here. And he says, when you walk, your steps will not be hampered. And when you run, you'll not stumble. You see, was as I lead my children, I'm guiding them in the way of wisdom. I'm not just protecting them from evil. I'm encouraging them to walk in wisdom. You see, if you don't teach your children to walk in wisdom, somebody else will teach them to walk in an unwise way. Somebody else will lead them in the paths that are not upright. And so not only do we protect our children from unrighteousness, not only do we instill them with righteousness, but we also lead our family how to walk in wisdom. Somebody put it this way, we ought to die for the why. In explaining to our children why we do certain things, why do we walk this way? Why do we do certain things and why do we refrain from doing certain things? Training your children in the things of the Lord, leading your children. And that begins, I believe, by leading your wife. You know, as men, we're called the high priest of our home. And that doesn't mean that we're better than anybody else in the home. Uh, That doesn't mean we're the smartest one in, in the home. I took the advice of one of my professors in college, and he says, you know, you guys preparing for ministry. If you guys have an ounce of wisdom and an ounce of knowledge in your mind, uh, you're going to go ahead and you're going to find somebody that is smarter than you, and you're going to marry that person. And uh, and he says, the reason you ought to marry somebody smarter than you because you guys aren't aren't the sharpest guys in the class. And he quoted that verse that Paul says uh, that not many mighty are called. And uh, he says, you guys aren't mighty intellectually, so find somebody smarter than you and marry that person. So that's what I did. I found somebody a whole lot smarter than me. And, uh, uh, well, you know, somebody say, well, uh, how smart could she have been if she married you? Uh, But uh, I cut her a weak moment, and she said, I do. And if we make it to July, we'll have 33 wonderful years of marriage. Well, let me give you another couple of verses here. Luke chapter 15, verse number 20. This is the story of the prodigal son. Love this story. This trilogy found in Luke chapter 15. Uh, the prodigal son, as he's a long way off, his father sees him and he's filled with compassion for him. And he runs to his son and he throws his arms around him and he kisses him. Here's the challenge, men. Be quick to forgive. It says when he was a long way off. You see, the father was expecting his son to come home. He looked every day for his son. He said, man, I wonder if today is going to be the day that my son comes home. Every day, the father was looking for his son to come home. Now, now, important point is that he didn't get into the pig pen to rescue his son. Sometimes before we can rescue our children, they've got to come to their senses. Uh, that son came to his senses and he was coming on home. Uh, but when he was a far way away, the father saw him and he was filled with compassion for him. And says he ran to his son, he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. So here's the point. Be quick to forgive. Don't make it difficult for your children to seek forgiveness. Make it easy. Meet them at a point where they're saying, hey, I I think that he wants to apologize. Make it easy for him to apologize. Don't we like it when people make it easy on us to be forgiving of them? Make it easy on them. Be quick to forgive. You know, you're going to make some mistakes as a dad. You're going to make some major blunders as you go. And you want your children to be long-suffering to you and be patient with you. So be patient and forgiving with them. Deuteronomy 131. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you. And I love this analogy. Moses is writing how God delivered the people 
uh, out of bondage, how God carried them as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. Uh, Here's the point. We ought to be helping our family. You know, though, Jesus said, you want to be great in God's kingdom? Learn to be servant of all. You want to be great in your home? Be servant of all. Help out your family. Be there to encourage them. Be there to lift them up. Malachi 4.6 says that God will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. So here's my challenge, dads. Have a heart for God. Have a heart for God. So that when your children's hearts are turned back to God, they'll be turned back to you. Well, let me give you one other verse here. It is found in Hebrews 12, 7. We are told to endure hardship as a disciple. God is treating you as sons, right? Endure that hardship. What son doesn't experience discipline by his father? So here's the challenge, guys. Don't be afraid to discipline your children. Well, we've got a whole lot more to say on this subject, and I want to encourage you to join me tomorrow as we'll be looking at the subject of how can I be the dad that I should be and how can I use God's word to be a better man, a better leader, and a better dad in my home. Well, thank you so much for listening. If I can pray for you, shoot me a text at 252-267-2365, 252-267-2365. God bless you. Thank you for joining me today. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.